Welcome to HLB Cross-Border Business Talks, HLB's global podcast series on international business topics. Hello everyone, my name is Andrea Mosley. I'm joined today by David East, Director of Product Strategy at Moody's Analytics, working for Bureau Van Dyke, and Marco Donzelli, Global CEO at HLB, to talk about global FDI trends. So I'll start by asking you to talk us through the current investment climate. So what growth, if any, have you seen in mergers and acquisitions and in Greenfield? Okay, I think that's a good question to start off with. So what are we seeing globally right now? I guess if you look at the World Investment Report and and purely the numbers in terms of the inflows, we are seeing a third straight year of decline. Um, In reality, what does this mean? It means that investor confidence remains fragile. Uh, there are various reasons behind this. You know, we look at things like, for example, the ongoing trade wars uh, and the rhetoric that's bouncing back between China and Donald Trump. Uh, we also you know, need to take into consideration uh, geopolitical uh, events which are happening, which are going to dampening investor confidence. Uh, we've got the likes of things like Brexit. Uh, I don't think we can, we can uh, wash that out of the way. We have to, to raise that. Uh, we've also got implications around cybersecurity, terrorism, and so on, which are all dampening investor confidence. On the back, on the on, on the flip side of that, though, there is you know some movement. We've seen according to the one investment for Greenfield, FDI flows are up this year, as are M and A. If we talk about what the major kind of differences or, or or where the big growth opportunities are, if we go back to it depends on a region first and foremost. So if you look at the U.S. or North America, for example, you'll see that. M&A is by far the dominant market entry mechanism deployed by companies when they're entering that market. It's the same to a certain extent with Europe. When it comes to emerging markets, they don't necessarily have the level of maturity that you see in in these more developed markets. Thus, Greenfield tends to be the dominant market entry strategy for those or deployed by companies when accessing those markets. So on a global level, we saw in 2015 through 2016 a big increase in these large mega deals, these large, you know, big M&A deals that were really changing the way or the way the numbers would, would, would give you an indication of what was happening from an FDI perspective. We've now seen a bit of a bounce back this year for Greenfield, and Greenfield now is, is leading M&A uh, in terms of the, the volume of deals or the volume of, 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 of capital that's flowing back and forth. Great. Um, and you mentioned Brexit and the USA, um, US-China trade wars. Um, what implications do you think they're, they're going to have on jurisdictions in terms of FDI? Well, if you look, at, for example, you know, the, the trade wars, you know, we are seeing that companies are reviewing their global value chains. That's already happening. Uh, it's a good opportunity to do so, but it's a combination of various issues. It's not just one issue in isolation. One thing I would say off the back of this, we are certainly seeing a slowdown in terms of the investment going into China. Uh, we are seeing that there are now opportunities for companies to, to reevaluate where they put their manufacturing plants. Are they going to be manufacturing in China for the world or are they manufacturing in China for China? So one of the things we are really noticing in recent years is, is more of a move towards localization of projects as opposed to regionalization or globalization. In terms of Brexit, uh, more specifically, it's the uncertainty that's creating. You know, companies are putting their investment uh, investment plans on hold, or they're reevaluating them. I don't think there's any big winners out of all this at the moment. I think we, you know, we have to wait and see how 
things come out as, as, as time moves on. Uh, but at the moment, there's a lot of uncertainty. And off the back of that, obviously, we're seeing a lot of projects on hold. Um, very true. Um, so, Marco, if I can come to you now and ask, where have you seen the greatest increase in cross-border opportunities for business? Um, which industries, for example? Yes. Well, in terms of industries, within HLB at least, we have seen uh, some substantial increases in the retail wholesale industry, in technology, financial services, and logistic transportation, while uh, manufacturing still remains uh, the top, uh, um, let's say, uh, the most active industry in terms of cross-border work. Geography-wise, on the other side, Western Europe as a whole uh, retains the place as the most active uh, region, while the U.S. remains a top destination still, and Germany the top source for cross-border work. An interesting phenomenon talking about Western Europe, however, is that you know the U.K. has received more investment compared to 2017. Uh, so we are seeing a bounce back um, from uh, after, just right after Brexit. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, and I think it's pretty much in line with what is happening uh, you know, in general globally. Uh, one other uh, phenomenon we are seeing is that a larger, a proportionally larger share across, of cross-border work is coming and from and into uh, emerging markets. Uh, that is what I've, uh, I've observed. Yeah, I think Mark, you made, made a lot of very uh, valid points there. I mean, you know, we look at some of the geographies and they would certainly resonate uh, I mean, if we look at the key carve source markets, traditionally it's always been the U.S. has been the, the most dominant in terms of sheer volume of companies that are making <coughs> acquisitions or doing greenfield projects overseas. Um, when it comes to industries, again, I think most of those ring true. I mean, there's obviously industries that remain pretty resilient during economic troubles. You know, I mean, we talk about healthcare, for example, as being one of those, education being another one. Um, but again... You know, we look now at what's happening, you know, this industry 4.0 is changing the nature and the face of foreign direct investment to a certain extent. We look at these new areas like fintech, cybersecurity. Again, you know, from an acquisition perspective, you know, Israel is really coming up on the map now as one of the big target markets uh, for companies looking to, to make acquisitions or to, to kind of re-stamp down their authority in a particular industry. So, for example, Research in Motion or BlackBerry, as we know them better, have stated that they're coming back, and they're coming back not through producing handsets, but instead they're looking to become a dominant provider in cybersecurity. So they've made a recent acquisition of a large or of a, a quite small size Israeli company, but it's a significant acquisition. Very interesting. Um, so what jurisdictions then um, do you think are currently attracting the most FDI and why? I think, well, you, you know, the, the U.S. has been outstripping most markets in terms of the receiving FDI. I think when you look at Greenfield FDI, I think it's fair to say, or Greenfield Brown, for where companies create a physical presence, it's very much um, market-orientated, right? They're looking for a big growth market. And the U.S., to a certain extent, has proven that. So the U.S. receives a lot of investment. The U.K., too, has still remained pretty resilient. Despite of Brexit, there are still... You know, a considerable amount of FDI going into the UK market, English speaking. That's what's driving most of it or, or, or one of the key motives behind that. But it's still seen as, as a quite, quite a stable market, per se. Um, other markets that are really kind of attracting a lot of investment would include places like Singapore. I think we see a lot of uh, big growth opportunities in the ASEAN market. 
Singapore being the kind of key capital of that, that region is obviously leading most of that growth, but obviously we're starting now to see it spread out into places like Indonesia, uh, to a certain extent Malaysia, uh, Vietnam, you know, places like that. China has always been a key recipient of FDI, uh, although I think that's slowing down a little bit, and part of that is because of the trade war. Yeah, um, I agree with, uh, with David, and uh, while in general, um, at the high level, the positions in terms of uh, uh, being more active in terms of uh, um, international business remain largely the same. There are interesting movements. Uh, there, are, there are proportionally uh, larger shares of uh, this international business involving especially not only emerging markets but especially Asian countries. So the likes of Singapore, um, I'm not even talking about China. I mean, China is now one of the top, yeah, really yeah. one has been for a while. So, but Singapore is, is coming very, very quickly uh, to become one of them. Then you have all the other countries that uh, David mentioned. And particularly, I'm very interesting in, interested in Vietnam. I mean, the transformation of this country uh, has been uh, nothing short than, than amazing uh, in, in, a just, uh, in just a few years. And um, I think mostly is driven by uh, outsourcing of manufacturing but now you see also something different. Now you, you see the start of you know, services uh, and you know, other industries, not just manufacturing. That, that's pretty interesting, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think, I think you know, we'll talk about you know, one of the best comebacks. You can't, you know, looking, let's, let's take it to a different market of the world that's not often cited. Colombia, I think, has really made a huge transition. It's really turned itself around from somewhere with a very negative perception. Now there's a very strong dynamic you know, business environment within Colombia, and that too has seen an increase in investments into places like Bogota, Medellin, uh, and so on. Um, but obviously I think you know, the key markets right now in terms of what, what are the big opportunities that companies are considering right now, it's really around talent. Talent acquisition, talent retention, these are the two key things that you know, I think when you talk about FDI now, we've really got to look at you know, understanding what, what those opportunities or what those shortfalls are and how we plug them. Great. So if we could put a crystal ball in front of you both, um, what were your predictions for FDI trends for the rest of 2019 moving into 2020? Well, according to the World Investment Report, they, they are, which is part of the uh, UNCTAD, one of UNCTAD's kind of flagship reports, they, they would, or they are putting, they're saying about 10% growth. My suspicion is that I think there will be some growth this year. Um, I'm not sure to what extent or how big that will be, um, but I think there's going to be a little bit of a bounce back. There's a lot of liquidity right now. You know, companies are sitting on board of stockpiles of cash. So I think around the M&A space, there could be opportunities there. Uh, but again, it's really about you know how governments approach that. You know, we're seeing, for example, in the United States, CFIUS, for example, being set up. They're, they're policing or they're looking very closely at every single type of deal that's coming in and what, where that's a potential impact on, on something that's of key strategic importance. Uh, and again, I don't think it's just going to be isolated to the US. I think that's, that's, that's now a mentality that's starting to be introduced elsewhere around the world. So I think there will be a marginal increase this year. Uh, looking ahead into 2020, again, you know, I, I think there'll be, again, a slight uptick again. I mean, I think, you know, th there are... You know, tree, tree, uh, free trade agreements that have been signed that would indicate that you know, there's opportunities there. It's not all doom and gloom. I'm optimistic as well. Um, and nevertheless, I share the same sensation of David. So 
uh, I think uh, there will be some bounce back, some growth, but not massive. Um, and uh, uh, there will be some recovery, of course, because of the last years, they haven't been so great because of all the things that we discussed. Um, of course, um, while we mentioned that uh, there, was, uh, there has been a bounce back of foreign direct investment um, in the UK over the last few years, in particular this year, we need to see really, you know, what what would be the if the market has already discounted the Brexit effect, or what happens with the you know the, the election of the new prime minister, uh, you know, whatever follows, um, what is going to be the impact uh, really? So we have seen a lot of relocation projects already from the UK. So yeah. what do you think, David? No, I, I think there's, there's 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 some truth behind that. You know, London maintains its position though as a key tech hub. I think one of the key trends to kind of take into consideration as well is, particularly looking at it from a greenfield perspective, projects are getting smaller. They're getting smaller in terms of, you know, look at the impact of automation, for example, on manufacturing. So the days of the big, you know, 1,000 jobs, 2,000 jobs, they are happening still, but they're less and less so, right? And then you look at the small tech companies, yeah? Again, they're not big, uh, you know, they're not huge job creators. They, they may be over time. I think acquisitions, again, is an important one where we've got to look at you know, the strategic acquisitions that are taking place. They may be not huge in volume right now, but they could become good job creators of the future. So there's lots of different nuances that need to be considered when you look at FDI trends. Yes, and I think other phenomenon, phenomenon to just look at very interesting is really how this tariff uh, uh, you know, uh, war uh, yeah. is going to end. Um, and if so, hopefully. Uh, and uh, on the other side, uh, um, what is the impact, for example, what would be the impact of the new NAFTA or, more interestingly, of the Mercosur um, and uh, European Union mm-hmm. agreement? Yeah. So, uh, because that will open a lot of new opportunities uh, for those countries. Absolutely, absolutely. Great. Well, thank you both for your time uh, and hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for listening. For more information about this topic and other cross-border business insights, visit www.hlb.global forward slash insights.